Welcome to Reflections from the Heart, presented by Stewardship, a mission of faith. Reflections from the Heart with your host, David Abel, is an outreach of Gospel Reflection, a ministry of Stewardship, a mission of faith. For the next 30 minutes, please join David as he breaks open the bread of life in the Gospel reading for Sunday's Mass. And as the same Holy Spirit who inspired the biblical writers, inspires us today with the truths he reveals to our hearts through his word. Now, here's David with Reflections from the Heart. Welcome, everyone, to another session of Reflections from the Heart. My name is David Abel. Today, I'm joined by Tom Terrace and Tom DeAngelis. Welcome, one and all. Thanks, hey, Dave. Dave. And if everybody would take a moment and get their Bibles, we're going to turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13, verses 24 through 43. But before we break open the bread of life, Tom, do you mind inviting the Holy Spirit in our hearts to help us see what Jesus wants to see today and help us to grow and learn in His truth? Sure. This is a prayer that most of you probably know, but it's available from our Stewardship of Prayer book, which is available on our website. If you'd like a copy, just uh, go out to our website and, and uh, we can, we'll mail it out to you. It's the Come Holy Spirit prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful. And, and kindle, kindle in, in us the, the fire of your love. love. Send forth your Spirit, and we shall be created. And you, you shall, shall renew, renew the face of the earth. earth. Let us pray. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of your faithful, Grant that by the same Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolations. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. The Father, and the, the Son, and the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. And Tom, do you want to give us a little gospel love today? Yes, this is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13, verses 24 through 43. Jesus proposed another parable to the crowd, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be likened to a man who sowed good seed in his field. While everyone was asleep, his enemy came and sowed weeds all through the wheat and then went off. When the crop grew and bore fruit, the weeds appeared as well. The slaves of the householder came to him and said, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where have the weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. His slaves said to him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? He replied, No, if you pull up the weeds, you might uproot the wheat along with them. Let them grow together until harvest. Then at harvest time, I will say to the harvesters, First collect the weeds and tie them in bundles for burning, but gather the wheat into my barn. He proposed another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that a person took and sowed in a field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, yet when full-grown is the largest of the plants. It becomes a large bush, and the birds of the sky come and dwell in its branches. He spoke to them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed with three measures of wheat flour until the whole batch was leavened. All these things Jesus spoke to the crowds in parables. He spoke to them only in parables to fulfill what had been said through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will announce what has lain hidden from the foundation of the world. Then, dismissing the crowds, he went into the house. His disciples approached him and said, Explain to us the parable of the seeds in the field. He said in reply, He who sows good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. 
the good seed, the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. Just as weeds are collected and burned up with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will collect out of his kingdom all who cause others to sin and all evildoers. They will throw them into the fiery furnace, where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Whoever has ears ought to hear the gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. As you were sharing, you know, we look at the word parable when we say, what is a parable? And what I wrote down is a parable is a real-life story that reveals a heavenly reality. You see, Jesus says all these things Jesus spoke to the crowds in parables. I believe today, here and now, Jesus is continually speaking through to us in parables, real-life experiences. And what we need to do is then go to the Father, go to the Holy Spirit, and say, what did you want to teach me? What did you want to reveal to me? And then listen. And I think that's the key to it. I love I love breaking that open a little bit further and going with a real-life parable in my own life. There was one day I was fishing on the Chesapeake Bay. There were six of us, and five of, the, five of the people had caught these really big stripers, anywhere from 38 inches to 42 inches long, and I've always dreamed of catching a really big striper. Well, I was the last one to hook one up, and it was a big one. In fact, it stayed deep, so I knew it was really big. So I was like, this is awesome. I fought the fish the whole way in. Next thing you know, it came and it laid up on the top of the water. The biggest striper I've ever caught, probably close to between 48 and 50 inches long, laid up. It looked at me. I looked at it. And the next thing I know, it shook its head and snapped 50-pound test and swam away. And I went, that's not funny, God. And then I started my rant of complaining of how, why didn't we this? Why didn't I that? Why didn't we that? Eventually, later on the day, when I finally calmed down, I said, all right, Lord, what do you want to teach me? And then in that still quiet voice, that quiet conversation with the Lord of my heart, I hear the following. Glad you asked, David. Let me ask you a question. When you hooked the biggest fish, did you thank me? Did you have a grateful heart? I said, no. When I allowed you, to get the fight out of that fish the whole way up to the boat. Did you have a grateful heart? And did you thank me? Uh, No. And when I allowed you and everyone else to see that biggest fish you've ever caught in your life, did you have a grateful heart? Did you thank me? And I went, "Uh, no, I didn't. One last question, David. If I'd have allowed that fish to be netted, would you have had pride? And would you have bragged about it? Oh, I said, absolutely. (laughs) I would have done that, especially to my brother, Michael. And so with that, the Lord broke open this parable, and then he wanted to share with me the heavenly reality. He said, David, always have a grateful heart for everything, to allow that I allowed you to hook the fish, that I allowed you to fight, that I allowed you to see it. Have that grateful heart and thank me. And if I chose to let that fish go so that someday you may catch her young, Don't look at the negative in life. Don't look at the fact you lost the fish and focus on that. That's the bait of Satan. That's the enemy of your soul. That's the weeds in your life. He said, focus on the positive and have a grateful heart. 
What a life lesson. So you know what? That's a living parable that happened to me that I asked God to break it open. Just like here, right here. It says, you know, they went to Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, tell us, what did you mean? Well, that's what we're supposed to do. His disciples approached him and said, explain to us the parable of the striper (laughs) (laughs) and the letting go. So I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, all the listeners, God speaks to us every day. He wants to have that intimacy with us, that that communion, common union with us. He wants us to go in prayer and ask him these questions. Let the Holy Spirit reveal them to us. And then we must listen, not only listen, but hear. And God will teach us and we will become more refined. And the weeds that are in our gardens will be slowly killed out so that we do produce more fruit, fruit in abundance, fruits that last for an eternity. You know, when we reflected on this gospel a little earlier in the week, I remember talking to somebody. Actually, it was after the the session uh, on Wednesday. And one of the things that, uh, that he hit on and I picked up on and we kind of bounced it back and forth was, you know, the different – in the parable, the weeds and the wheat are two different things. And uh, and they, you know, they they ne- weeds will never become wheat, and wheat will never become weeds. Uh, that's just the way that reality works. But he said, but the meaning of the parable, in the meaning of the parable, we can change because we're defined by our spirit, not by our material bodies. You know, we're so we can uh, we can adopt a negative spirit, or we can bring into our hearts the Holy Spirit. And so we can go from you know that, and this is kind of what he said: we can go from weeds to wheat. By changing our hearts and by refining our hearts over a period of time, we become less weed and more wheat. And I thought that was really insightful because all of the parables have limitations in terms of how far you can push them. And certainly this one does. But the lesson of it is exactly what you said, David, is we can look at our life as if it were a parable Mm -hmm. and then look at it and say, I see where I'm weed and I need to do something about that. So right. so in a few weeks or months, maybe I can become, maybe days, maybe right away, I can become more like wheat. Uh, but the other thing is the process is never done. We're never completely where we need to be. Um, Until so, we enter heaven. Right, right. But uh, but I thought that was, a, that was a good insight because it really goes back to something you also mentioned a little earlier on in your, in your parable, which is that you, you complained. Mm-hmm. And I was at a men's uh, session over at uh, St. Teresa's. Maybe some of our listeners were there last Saturday morning early for a talk by a priest by the name of Father Scott. And he talked about the sword of the spirit. And one of the things he said when he was talking about how the devil attacks us and how we need to take out the sword of the spirit was the easiest way in his, for him. And I looked around at the men and said, the easiest way for the devil to get to him is when he starts complaining because complaints lead to more complaints. He said, that's, that's the, the, the crack in the armor that the devil finds in him when he starts to complain. And I kind of – I wrote something down. I looked around the room and a lot of us were shaking our heads. That It works the same for us. If we start taking on that kind of negative spirit, like we look at the situation, like we hooked a beautiful, big, huge striper – and then it gets away, and the first thing we think about is instead of thankful, being thankful for the experience, we complain about the fact that it didn't work out the way we expected it to work out. And then, and so a lot of us, and, and you know, there is a lot more to be thankful for there, and and a lot, and the probably the most important thing is the lesson that you took from it, the, the lesson from the Lord. Absolutely, and then we get to share our life stories, our life's parables, you know, mm. with others, and that's so so very very important, and. Uh, you know, for me, it, it, it's always about growing and learning. And I think for me also, it's a matter of holding the mirror up. 
in this parable, because as you shared, we're called to, as Scripture tells us, to bear fruit and bear it in abundance, fruit that lasts for an eternity. Well, if we have weeds growing in the gardens of our hearts, Scripture also takes, tells us that we're to take that sword and plow, pound it into a plowshare. A plowshare is meant to till up the soil of our heart to root out the rocks, the obstacles, and root out the weeds because weeds suck the life of Christ out of us. Unforgiveness, pride, anger, jealousy, they suck the life of Christ out of us. But when we invite the gardener of our heart, the Father, in— to take that sort of truth as a plowshare and plow up furrows and clean out those weeds and those roots and those rocks and obstacles in our life, we begin then become more perfected in Christ. And the way we do that is we take the sort of truth, which is what we have here today in Matthew's gospel, and we, we consume it and we, we digest it and we learn and we grow from it. And then again, that time of prayer, ask the Father, what do you want to teach me? And then listen, and then listen. Yeah, this morning um, I opened up this parable or this gospel on my iPad and I was reading it. And the first line, and it, I think it ties in with what you guys are saying that jumped out at me was, while everyone was asleep, his enemy came. And I just know how much in my own life, if I fall asleep by not praying or not even realizing the gifts that God has placed in my life, how easy it is for the enemy to to get in there with his negativity and say, you know, look at all the stuff you don't have and forget about the mm-hmm. blessings. So I think that line just like jumped right off the page at me this morning when it said, you know, asleep, don't mm-hmm. be asleep. Awesome. And, and again, too many times we read this gospel and we say, okay, The enemy has children out there, and they're weeds, and God has children out there, and they're the righteous ones. No, 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 no. Anybody, anybody can fall in to the enemy's camp. When Jesus said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, he didn't say, get behind me, brother, Satan's attacking you. He said, get behind me, Satan. He was calling out the fact that all of a sudden Satan had entered Peter. He can use us. When we take Satan's bait— anger, unforgiveness, jealousy, whatever. We take that bait, we're on the hook. The enemy can use us to hurt others. So what we need to do is have the eyes of Christ to see through the weeds, the sins of others, to see that true seed of faith, but we can see Christ in others because the weeds that are grown in people from alcoholism, sexual addiction, whatever they are, unforgiveness, anger, bitterness, you know, Those are weeds in that person's life. Look through them. God created all seven plus billion human beings on this earth. Satan cannot create anything. He is not a God. He has no power to create. He only has the ability to twist and contort what God has created. God is the only one who can create a soul and knit it to a body at the moment of conception. So looking at every human being you meet today and looking past their sin, their their one-finger wave, their, their foul language or whatever, and seeing that that's a precious son or a precious daughter of God, then being that invitation of unconditional love to them, being that heart of compassion, that heart of mercy, which is what God's all about, that then we become those tools and instruments God uses to bring others into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. If we look at the world 
they're weeds, I'm wheat, we're wheat. That's not of God. We are judging. We are choosing to play God, and that is a mortal sin. You know, David, when you brought up about um, Jesus telling Peter to get behind, get behind me, Satan. Um, I'm, I, I hearken back to the, that passage and thinking, you know, right before that, Jesus was lifting Peter up and saying, you know, because because Peter had said, you know, that you, you're, you know, Jesus asked who do men say that I, that I am? And, you know, some some say you're the, the, the prophet, some say you're this. Peter said, you're the son of God. And he said, you know, blessed are you because no mere man has revealed this to you. Then after that, he goes on to tell more about himself as the Savior, as the Messiah, that he has to go to Jerusalem, that he has to suffer. And then Peter says, well-meaning, you know, well-intentioned, which is what always happens when we fall into <laughs> the wrong camp, is it never looks like the wrong thing. He said, God forbid that that should happen to you, Lord. And then he says, get behind me, Satan. So he goes from being, you know, the b- blessed for knowing that <laughs> to, to, being, get, to being Satan and get behind me. But I think it's instructive because the temptation is always disguised as something that looks like it's for your it's for your benefit. Jesus is uh, God's telling us what he needs from us, what's going to happen, what's and I need you to support me in this and we're saying, "Oh no, no, no. That's not what's best. Here's what's best. I'll tell you what's best." And that really is being opposed to 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 God, yes. which, which is which is which is Satan. And so that Satan did put that in in his heart, but well intentioned. I mean, probably slipped into his thinking, thinking that he was being compassionate for Jesus, Christ. just taking, yeah. yeah, I just want what's best for you, yeah. you know? And that's where we need, the word is docility, docility of the Holy Spirit. Scripture tells us, Jesus tells us, unless you become like one of these little ones, like children, you can't see the kingdom of heaven. Well, what does that mean? That means we must be always be in awe and wonder, hearts of gratitude, always open to learn. Going to the Father as the teacher through Jesus Christ to be taught and to learn through our life experiences. So for me, I want to be like a child. I want to live in awe and wonder. I want to be grateful for everything. And truly, that's Jesus says, you know, peace be with you. You know, be not afraid. 365 times in the Bible, there's the, the rumor or the theory of what there is. Be not afraid. Why? Because fear is faith in the wrong kingdom. It is. It is putting our. It, it is letting the enemy in a, in the camp. If our trust is truly in God, be not afraid. Be not afraid. John Paul II. Be not afraid. So for me, you know, I want to. I want to stay focused on that. And then this one really causes me to go back to another experience in my life. Who? And again, Jesus breaks open and shows us who is the children of the enemy. <laughs> well, it's not the fact that they're the enemy's offspring. They are anybody, anybody that causes others to sin and all evildoers. Evildoers are people that do things contrary to God's unconditional love. So I was thinking about this in my experience in my office the one day, sat back in my chair as I was reading the Bible because I came across the verse that said, uh, whoever causes one of these little ones to sin, be better for them to have tied a millstone around their neck and throw it in the ocean. I'm like, huh, well, God, I didn't do that. And I heard this still quiet voice. Oh, yes, you did. Oh, no, 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 Father, you're wrong. I'm here, here I am telling God he's wrong. I never caused a little one to sin. Oh, he said, but you did. 
And of course, me, I'm a knucklehead. Third time, I said, no, I never did that. He said, and I can remember to this day clearly, David, when you chose to bring pornography into your home, you caused my children, who I entrusted you, to you, to sin when they discovered it. And I wept because I never saw it that way. But that revelation, that opening up of my spiritual eyes, I wept. I apologized to each of the children. I took ownership, and God redeemed and forgave me. And now he you know, is working on the children. It's beautiful. But man, I'll tell you, I never saw it. I never saw it. So you know what? What we do affects others. Because I used to say, oh, no, that's just about me. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. So what we do affects others either for the kingdom of God or huh, for the enemy. You know, that's, that's too one of those things I think that we learn in the spiritual life as we go on is um, it's part of, the, of our spiritual growth is when we get to a point where we think we're doing okay and then the Lord opens us up and shows us, no, there's more here. There's more work to be done. And a lot of times, like I say, you know, the first level of conversion is when we get rid of those sins in our life that we know are blatantly obvious and, and everybody else could probably tell us what they are because they're things that we do. But then there's those other subtle little things that the Lord reveals to us over time. And he doesn't give us the whole load at the beginning because it probably would crush us. But but over time, the closer we get to him, the more he allows us to see. And sometimes it's that assertion of our goodness where the Lord then pulls us back and says, no, hold on a second. You're not, you're not that good. Let me, show you another, let me show you another step here, another thing that needs to be done. And I, that happens to me all the time. That they're not, not quite as dramatic. A lot of times they're smaller things. But they could be – it's those kinds of things almost like in a social setting where you do something or say something, not realizing the impact it may have had on other people. And then later somebody tells you, you know, when you said that, you really did this or you offended that person or didn't you realize? And it was like, I had no idea. And that's part of what the Lord, you know, in our spiritual journey, after we've given ourselves to him, it's like, you're not done yet. You know, I'm not done with you yet. There's still more stuff that you need to come, you know, that I need to, to share with you. And not, not a week goes by that something doesn't come up that I have to take ownership of, admit that, you know, I could have done better and I should have done better. But And thank God for the grace of being able to see it in my life, you know. And that's why for us as Catholics, you know, regular confession is such a blessing because it puts me in a disposition every week or every two weeks where I have to look at my life and say, I'm doing pretty good. And then the Lord says what he said to you. Mm, hold on a second. Here's a couple of things you hadn't thought about. Remember right. when you were saying a rosary and right in the middle somebody pulled out of you and you cussed in the middle of a Hail Mary at him? Yeah, what about that? Oh, geez, I didn't even think of that. You know, yeah. I called him so so and so, such and such, and then finished the Hail Mary. You know, uh, come on, really? Is that that's not of God? It can know? be those um, sins that you think, well, you know, no one. It didn't affect anyone else. There was no one around. Yeah, but it does affect you, who then interact with another Absolutely. person. You yeah. know. So it yeah. does uh, affect everyone around, even though you might think it doesn't. Right. Yeah. And I think it was so profound what you shared a little bit earlier, Tom, in the fact that when I first read this, I thought, well, when I'm asleep in my bed, that's when the enemy comes. Oh, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. He comes when you're spiritually asleep. And what Jesus is telling us here loud and clear, we have an enemy. We are at spiritual warfare every day. 
When we wake up, what do they tell us to do in, in, you know, in Ephesians chapter 6? Put on the armor of God. What do you use armor for? Well, for protection, for battle. So if you don't arm up first thing in the morning, you are going out into the enemy's ground, a campground, naked. And that's not healthy. You're going to get really, really hurt. And so for me, Jesus is real clear, the enemy of our soul, the enemy, the enemy wants your soul for eternity. That's the battleground. Not only that, but especially as fathers, the enemy wants your soul. Take out the head, and then he wants your children. He wants your spouse. He wants your grandchildren. So, gentlemen, wake up. We are called to be the head, the leader, spiritually. But we need to be first following the true head of the body, Jesus Christ, so that we can perfectly reflect him to our wives and our children. Man, that's a wake-up call for me. We are at war. There is an evil one. There is an enemy who wants us wants us to lose our soul through our own choices, mm-hmm. through our own choices. Wake up. Don't be asleep spiritually. And some of the story of the Old Testament where we see the the Israelite people falling away from God and then coming back again, you can see in that an underlying pattern of, of um, things are going well, and then all of a sudden we want to start doing our own thing. So we want to kill, we want to have a golden calf, we want to have a party, we want to do this, fall away. God puts us in a difficult situation until we can find in our hearts, again, that desire to be good, the desire to be best again, to the desire to, and that's where we have the courage and the strength to arm up and go out to battle. And you can't listen to the voice of the enemy. The voice of the enemy says, you're a weed. You're a weed. Look at all you do. You're a weed. That's a lie. The enemy of our soul is the father of lies. We are every human being, all seven plus billion, a child of God. He created us for his number one, his delight. He created us out of love for love. And number two, he created us to bring his son, Jesus Christ, in our uniqueness into the world as a member of his body. Those are truths. So claim your identity in Christ as a son to the father, precious son to the father, a precious daughter to the father. And if there are weeds in your life, which we all have them, invite the hot father in, invite the Holy Spirit to illuminate him, and let him let him cultivate the soil of our hearts with his sort of truth that becomes a plowshare to plow up the furrows of our heart to get out of the obstacles so that we can truly be that living water, that that life to others, that heart of mercy, that heart of compassion. God wants each and every one of us united with him in eternity forever. God bless each and every one of you. Have a great day. Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, you might consider participating in a Gospel Reflection Group. For information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org and click on Gospel Reflection Groups, or call us at 717-367-0100. Stewardship, a mission of faith, is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you to make reflections from the heart possible. 
If you enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting our website or calling us at 717-367-0100. On behalf of David and the staff here at Stewardship, a Mission of Faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to Him. Thank you.